everybody, and welcome back to I've Got a Movie to Watch. My name is Matt. My name is Dakota. And this week we are watching Goodwill Hunting. Which is not... Hunting Goodwills. That's actually a very popular thing to do in the South. Uh, no, <laughs> like nobody was looking for them, and I figured that out the other day. Like, why did I think of that? So there, do you remember Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends? Yeah. And Wilt, like the yeah. little, the wholesome, googly-eyed. Yeah. yeah, so there was a thing where they spoof, like, spoofed Good the title. Wilt hunting. Good Wilt Hunting. And they're trying to find Wilt, because he's trying to find his, like, original, like, creator. Yeah. And honestly, that was all... I just assumed it was based off of that. So they're just trying to find Matt Damon in the city. Incorrect. So, yeah. Matt Damon was pretty easy to find throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Every time you see Matt Damon, take a drink. <laughs> Woo! I mean, he did run away every now and then from his problems. From He, he ran away emotionally, not so much physically. But we can get into that. So... I had already seen this movie, mm-hmm. and I knew going in that you were either going to really like it, or I, I I knew you were probably going to like it, I just didn't know on what level. Because okay. when it comes to Matt Damon's character, there's a lot there to break down as the therapist. Sure. There is not much to go off of when you have characters like Skylar and Chuck and Scholar the Girlfriend, Chuck, Ben Affleck. No, I know this. Okay, you just gave me the look of, like, who are they again? No, it wasn't even that. It was just, like, so a lot of the times, like, I bring up, like, for the purposes of a movie, mm-hmm. and you hear me say that a lot of, like, in actual setting, it would probably be done differently, but for mm. the purpose of a movie. And so for the purpose of a movie, Again, a lot of this is just like immediately right off the bat. I'm like, bing, 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 bing. Like, it's just my brain's geared that way in my profession. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the things, Ben Affleck's character being like Chuck, Charlie, Chucky. It's Chucky. Chucky. Yeah. So Chucky was just kind of like, I and mean, you and I talked about it. It's like Chucky was just kind of there. Like Chucky didn't necessarily have to be in this movie at all. His friends didn't necessarily have to be there, but I feel like they added enough to be a viable like they, insertion. They, Sure. Sure. Um, they added enough. Um, Skyler like immediately was just like I kinda had a connection with Skyler. Mm-hmm. I really did, as like as an academic, I don't know, I don't want to consider myself an academic, but I do have like a higher education than like what I would argue most people in our area have. And like when you try to date and you are a well rounded I don't want to say well-rounded person. I don't want to try to like boost, but like give an ego thing here, but like you get a lot of kickback when you are an intelligent woman. And believe it or not, I do have, like I do have an IQ. <laughs> like I do consider myself intelligent. And I remember specifically like whenever David and I was first talking, like me mentioning like going to school to be a therapist and his first things was like, so you're smart, smart. And immediately was like, Whoa, like, it, like, please don't be intimidated. Like, I'm really good at this one thing (laughs) because a master's degree is a specialty degree. And so you take it anywhere out of that, like, no, I shouldn't be left unsupervised. But like, I think about like, I resonated a lot with Skylar and I feel like you and you and I had talked about it. Like Skylar could do just as much as she, she could have, she could have filled Chucky. I'm going to keep wanting to say Charlie. I I felt that way until, because I hadn't rewatched it in a while. And I was like, I know Chucky's the one that's like, he gives him the monologue of like, if you're still here, I'm going to be mad at now, you. I'm going to beat the crap out of you, dude. Yeah. Because like, you have something all of us want and we can't have, and you're wasting it. Yeah. And that that was the one speech that really pushed him to take the next step, along with everything that Sean was giving him throughout their sessions. Right. And so going back to when you were like, you're either going to really like it or like with how these characters interact with each other. And I did really like it. Like I really enjoyed this movie. Am I going to give it a 10? Robin, Robin Williams gets a 10, but that's, oh, a, that, that's a separate conversation. I mean, best supporting actor for this performance for a good reason. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, does it get a 10? No. Like, I have, like, some, like, not some, some can, feedback to give on this. So okay. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote the script. And you can yes. kind of tell that it was, like, not a first draft, but it's from, like, for the most part, first-time writers. Yeah. 
Because there's some things in this movie that, like, you can... You're kind of like, this is here, but also why? Yeah. Like the fight scene we talked about. Well, no, the fight scene needed to be there because he had to go on parole for some reason to go into therapy. It could have been done any different kind of way. Maybe, but like it's, it's they could have got they could have popped him for like vandalizing the the board when he was doing. So maybe we should talk about the premise of the movie before we go into delving with it. So just a very sure. like a loose summary of it um, is so Matt Damon plays um, Will Hunting, who is this janitor at MIT, and you find out very quickly like he is incredibly intelligent. And based on his past history and his intelligence, like there's a lot of people who want to see him succeed, but he comes from such a rough background, like a lot of people count him out and you get to see kind of like the inner turmoil, these two sides of this young man bring out Mm -hmm. both with like a professor pulling him one way, his friends pulling him another way Mm -hmm. and Sean, the therapist pulling him another way altogether. And so you kind of get to see all of these things interact in the story of this young man. And so I think in my brain, like you didn't necessarily have to have the fight scene. Like, yeah, I get it. Like they go like support that afterward. It was like, it kind of made me laugh more than anything. Yeah, it was so badly Um, And Casey Affleck, is is that Ben Affleck's like brother? brother. That's his younger brother. Okay, so that's what I called like, if Timothy Chalamet ever hits puberty. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm probably gonna make some people mad with that. Um, but like that, that was fine. But like he was caught like to as far as like the professors that were walking down the hallway, like he was caught vandalizing the board. They could have popped him right there for that. I feel like a lot of things like it made sense overall, but like it could have been done different ways. I think. But yeah. Yes and no. Uh, I will say yes and no. Okay. Like, I don't think the way that. Um, the main story points play out are technically bad. Mm-hmm. Could they have been done better? Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think the there are certain scenes that when you insert them in the movie, they feel a little bit like filler. Just a little bit. Yeah. Like the scene, every scene with Skylar isn't too bad. I would consider it filler though. Like it's parts of it. Like the scene where Skylar's interacting with Will's friends could have been shortened down. You feel like they're like, okay, let's put a scene in here where Skylar meets Will's friends because that interaction needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But the interaction's going to be a little longer than it needs to because we need to fill out time. I agree with that. Like some of the conversations just feel a little too wordy. I agree. Like, but I, I also see like how they needed to have that back and forth to really like kind of feel it out. But it, it, again, like feel it they out. Were, like it's they were, I think the thing is they were trying to make it feel more realistic. And at times it does feel like a real, just like if you were in Boston, you could interact with these people. You ever been to Boston? No. I actually visited Boston this past October. Um, and like, it was really neat being like, even though I'm not a Bostoner, I don't even sound like a Bostoner, but like being in the place where it's like, yeah, you kind of get like, like if you go to New York City, it has its own vibe to it. Like mm-hmm. the being in the South is so much different than being up North. Yeah. Like being in like a big city is just different. And so it was interesting for me because I had been there. I could kind of put myself in those shoes. Yeah. I don't know if that makes like riding the train. Like I rode that train. Mm-hmm. Like it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, not in. 1997 when this was filmed but <laughs> like it, it was been, it was very interesting yeah. to me but I, I feel like Will Hunting as a character is clearly extremely flawed um, yeah but <clears throat> I think all of the I, characters I, are flawed oh they are extremely flawed yeah um, however I and I could be wrong on this but I feel like Robin Williams escalates this movie past what I feel like because Robin Williams does what he does in this movie escalates the movie to what it is. Yes. If you remove Robin Williams and his performance, it's not as good of a movie. Yeah. Not saying Matt Damon gives a bad performance. Not saying Ben Affleck. They work so well off of each other. Like Matt Damon and Robin Williams work off extremely well together. Yeah. And for me personally, we were talking about this because we talk about the movies uh, beforehand, like through text or like through conversation. Mm-hmm. And we were texting quite a bit about this movie, like more so than some of the other movies we've talked about. Oh, agreed. Um, 
And a lot of it came down, like a lot of our conversations, for me, it came down to, uh, I opened up how, like, I'm not really affected by uh, celebrity uh, passings. Like, when a celebrity passes away, it's kind of one of the things of, like, oh, I remember the movies they were in. That's sad. But, like, when Robin Williams passed away, I was in college. And just the way he passed away and the things that followed with his passing, like, Robin Williams is one of the few people, and maybe Heath Ledger is another, but not. I think Robin Williams affected me way more than Heath Ledger, to be honest with you. Yeah, and there was a point too, and like we were going to do a, a Robin Williams um, month, as we talked about in past episodes. And one of the movies I want to watch will, I think, kind of really hit more on the the circumstance of his passings. Um, and I think that will need kind of like a, a content warning. Well, I was I was thinking about it. Just but that's because, for future. That's for future. Well, I was thinking about it just because I feel like the performance given in this movie felt kind of like an authentic view of who Robin Williams was as a person. You could, yeah, that's the thing. And like one of the things we had talked about was like, this person who brought such a warmth into this world, such a light, um, and is more known for like his comedic roles than mm-hmm. anything, but then also playing this very serious role. And he's played tons of serious roles very, very, very well. Um, like just to see, you know, ever you could kind of see yourself in Robin Williams in a way. And this how man almost made me cry like five times in this movie. Right. And so like it's it's just, it, he had such an impact and a lot of people were affected by it. But at what point do you let something be sacred? Because like, obviously he had his own internal struggles and had to put on this brave face. Like I'm assuming it's a brave face. I don't want to assume what he was mm-hmm. actually feeling at the time, but you know, he had put on this mask and he had talked about it in several different interviews, like his, his mental health struggles and, you know, and there's been, like you had said, different thing documents and things that have been released. There's been people who have, like, in a psychology book, they even talked about, like, what Robin Williams was potentially diagnosed with. And it's like, what point is it sacred? At what point do you get to let this man be a human, which is what he is? Yeah. And I feel that way for, like, a lot of different celebrities, a lot of different people, like, and even if I don't particularly like them, they're still human. Yeah. They're still very much human. Yeah. And that's the thing about this particular movie is that it does like the the struggles that humanity has and are very realistic very, very well. Yeah. It does it very, very well. well. One of the things, and it's a very powerful scene because you... Yeah, I was like, I was good. I almost made it. Well, I want to I talk about... When it comes to the script, I feel like it could have handled that a little better because it kind of you kind of blip over it you well no like it's you kind of blip over what happened to will yes and you kind of get to the final climax in one of the final sessions between him and sean and you kind of like i'll argue that later all this stuff that sean like because he's getting his background and going to his background mm-hmm. and you feel like you almost missed a part of the movie yes you're like, whoa, okay, I know like Will's hiding all this stuff, and you get a little bit of it between the scene of him and um, Skyler, like when Skyler asks him to move to San Francisco with her, like he's like, these scars, these bruises, like everything on me, like you get a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. But um, you don't get the full picture. No, and... And you feel like it's waiting, like it waited too long to kind of give you this background on And even then, like, it just touches the surface. And so, like, he's only in this up until, like, I think 21 anyway. And there's not really any concrete timeline. We don't really know. We assume this happens over at least the course of three months. Mm -hmm. um, Based on, like, Skylar's timeline of when she's about to graduate and then she's going to go to Stanford in the summer. So you roughly have about, like, three months of a timeline. And so weekly... And weekly sessions like it is, and then given who Will is as a character, like, clinically, like, I have some opinions on that, but, like, we'll get to that when we get to that. But, like, the timeline is a little ambiguous, just a little bit, which I don't think necessarily helps with a lot either. Well, personally, if we're going to get into the realism of it, 
Sean kind of breaches that like patient. Oh no, immediately. Like, like the confidentiality and like the the patient and yeah. It, and there's like some and again, this is 1997. Like even like in the past 30 years, it's almost been 30 years since this movie is made. Like there's been more research, more things like we're, this is a field that mental health is constantly a field. It's constantly evolving. Like we know things now that we didn't know then. Um, one of the, one of the lines, <laughs> cause Robin, um, Sean, Robin Williams character, the is teaching as well mm-hmm. at like a community college, presumably psychology. Um, it doesn't really say, um, but <laughs> one of the things that made me laugh that is still true. That is the same from then. And now is like, join us next week when we talk about Sigma Freud and how much he did so much cocaine, it could kill a horse. And I laughed. Like guffawed was like, hmm, yep, <laughs> brilliant man, a lot of coke, yep. and they teach you that. Um, and like psychoanalytics has its place still to this day, but that's kind of moved away. Like it's more evidence based practices now. Yeah. Um, but you know, most of us do mixed methods anyway. So that, and that's another grab bag for another time. That doesn't have to do with the movie. So. But personally. Even though Sean handles it as a therapist, not how you're actually supposed to handle it. Oh no! From the first, from the first interaction, he puts him in. He almost chokes him out. Yeah, and I'm like, well, (laughs) but they do eventually build this rapport with each other. Yes, they do. I would argue that in ethical terms, it might not be the most ethical. No, it's not. But again, like I, the most recent code of ethics came out in 2014. So I don't know. It could have very much been up to code at that time. I don't think so, but yeah. So when it comes to the conversations between Will and Sean, because they are the focal points of this movie for sure. Mm -hmm. And then everything else, like I said, everything else almost feels like filler. Almost. Yeah, like you. Like there are small scenes that are important to the movie, um, are pivotal to Will's character development. But I feel like every scene between Sean and Will, those are like the scenes that are the most important in the movie. They are, and it takes a while to get to that point. Yeah, because Sean's and it almost for like twenty minutes. Yeah, and it almost kind of turns up like one eighties itself, kind yeah. of, which is fine. It worked out, yeah. but. Sorry, that might have been me on the table scratching. Um, I can I can remember moments from like Robin Williams' performance breaks me down every time because like when he's talking about his wife. Yep. And um, the scene where he's talking about how his wife farts in, his, in her sleep. Yeah. I I. I don't remember specifically, but I think that was actually an improvised thing that Robin Williams did. And that's why, like, it looks like him and Matt Damon are genuinely laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it looks so genuine. Right. And I feel like the scene on the park bench, and of course, the scene where Sean is telling him it's not your fault. Like, it's. I lost it. I lost it there. That one was where I was like, because there are moments where you, at least for us, I feel like there are moments in this movie where, not not verbatim, obviously, because we, <laughs> we are ethical in our approaches in sessions, but I feel like there are conversations, like, I've definitely been in session with a kid where they're not talking, mm-hmm. and you're, it's a chess match of, I'm not starting this conversation. This conversation's about you. Mm-hmm. You need to start this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been there. <laughs> I've also been in that situation of where, you know, they did. I've been in exact situations where it has been, it's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And that's easier said than done. Um, Will was at a point where that was a very good like breaking point for him to where he could accept that. Um, and he's an older, you know, I would argue like it, it'll depend by client. But when you've got some very younger children that are still very entrenched in some of their abuse, like it's it's very hard to 
change the mindset on that. And not like I can make them change the mindset, but what I can do is educate. Yes. So. It touched my heart. Like, it really touched my heart because it's just like, and you have personal conversations, even with friends, you know, you, you have had friends that have gone through some not great things in their lives and, yeah. you know, you, you want to be there for them and it tugs at your heartstrings. This movie does a good job with that. Like throughout, really, it does. Like you want to see Will succeed and yeah. then you equally want to like hit him over the head and shake him. <laughs> You're saying more like you get frustrated like, with it's him. It's like, dude, like you understand the gift you have and you just don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, like, and it's not, okay, it's not that he doesn't care, because, like, I think it was Sean that was telling him, was like, you could have gone anywhere. You could have gotten a job anywhere. But you decided to go and be a janitor at the most prestigious school of science and math in the country. Like, you knew what you were doing. Yes. You you had some kind of draw to yes. it. And, yeah. Um, so... I know one of the biggest things like you like you wanted me to take away with this is like because Sean and Will's like the therapeutic relationship and I use mm-hmm. that air quotes. Um like they build way more of a personal relationship than a therapeutic relationship by the end of it. My personal opinion. It's it definitely dances. Mm-hmm. It definitely dances that line. Um it already was crossed, like you had said, but like so to go with like Will's kind of background into it, like, you know, Will gets into the fight and, you know, the professor, uh, Lam- Lambo, mm-hmm. I think of Lambo field. That's how I can only yeah. remember that. And I'm not even a Packers fan. I don't even watch football, dude. <laughs> but that's the, the process of association yeah. in my brain. And so like Lambo goes and he's like, no, nah, he's under my supervision. I'm this hoity toity. I mean, not to say he's not intelligent, but like he throws his, his, um, intelligence and his power around very mm-hmm. arrogant person um i'll keep him under supervision and he'll have to meet with me once a week to help with these mathematical formulas and i'm also going to get him into therapy it's like okay cool like sign off on it and do what you got to do um his ta cracked me up the his TA, ta was so jealous of i was like this ta i was he was he's like you should be grateful for the time he spends with you. And I'm like, oh, baby, are you a product of narcissistic abuse? Are you not daddy's favorite anymore? (laughs) Um, It was was so sad. Like, I would love to see him go to therapy, too. Um, But, like... Because, like, I'll I'll let you get back to it. I'm going to let you finish. The scene where uh, Sean and Lambo are, like, getting into a a verbal altercation. Mm -hmm. And the TA is, like, getting closer and closer to the window to like listen in. Yeah. It's like, homie, this ain't about you. Just drop. This ain't about you. Like, yeah, it's not. Just drop. And he, he keeps inserting himself in between yeah. Lambo and Will. It's like, it is not, not about <laughs> Father, you. why have you forsaken me? He's like, father, why no love? Why no why love? Why am I your lackey and he, the pony boy? Uh, because this one brings me value and you do service. There's two different things. Um, but like, so he's under him. And so they try to find, a, they say shrink and there's different terms for that. But anyway, so they try to find him a, a counselor or somebody to counsel him. Mm-hmm. And they go through all of these different people. And Will is just not having it. Like this dude's very much book smart. He is self-taught. Yeah. Like you imagine it. He did it. And like the way he dropped the bomb on that Harvard dude, it was like, you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars for what I could do for a dollar fifty and overdue late fees at the library. And I was like, Yo like how oh, you like them apples. <laughs> do you like apples? I got a number. How do you like them apples? When he's like picking up Skylar at the yeah. bar and he's successful. But like he goes through all these, like four or five, yeah. I think. And, and Sean knows all of them. He's like, you yeah. were here, you were here, you were here. Yeah. Didn't work out. I yeah. understand. Yeah. Because Lambo doesn't want to use Sean. No. They were college roommates. And, and in a way, like Lambo, Lambo, like, and you see that in that relationship later on. Like they were roommates in college and like, just Lambo sees like wasted potential mm-hmm. and it's almost like a mirror. Yeah. There's that kind of mirroring between like, and they are, and I think it's meant to be that way. And that's how they're able to kind of start building that rapport with each other. Yeah. Um, and I do like though, like 
when you're introduced to Sean, what he is teaching in his classroom is what is the importance of trust? And back then it was patient, like doctor, patient, confident, like relationship there. We do not, unless you are a doctor and do medicine, things like that. I don't refer to my clients as patients. They're my clients. So, but back then it was like, what, why is that important? And it's like, because if you don't have that trust, you're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And that's very, 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 very true. And like, not every client that's going to come in is going to vibe with me. That's okay. You got to go where you get help. And so, obviously, Will was not vibing with any of these guys. He's too smart. He's self-taught. He can pop it around on them. It's deflection, deflection, deflection. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes for you to get off of me, because it's easier to make you mad and push you away than actually deal with what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so, like. And Sean is immediately like, you're full of shit. <laughs> and right off the bat. Well, that scene on the park bench, because it's their second session after Sean almost chokes him out. Session. Yeah. And he takes him out uh, to park, and he's he's telling him, like, you know, you think you know me from all these books you've read, and you can assess me and tell me who I am just because of all your book smarts. Well, if I did that to you... Yeah. Flipped it on. He, he kind of just like leaves Will like, you're incredibly smart, but you know nothing about human nature. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah. I've never even seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's good. Like, it really is good. Like, I've had similar conversations with kids, mm-hmm. but it's not to that degree by any yeah. means of like, you know, you do an awfully good job trying to convince me you're not doing these things. Mm-hmm. But then like, you just, you just spin it. Like you hear them talk and then you catch the, where it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like I told one girl, I was like, cause it was about like, look at the phone. And I was like, so what's the reciprocation? You're going to let him look at your phone. You don't need to be in my business. I was like, so see no way that you're going to say that is going to make sense to me because there's no trust here mm-hmm. between you and like she's 14, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But like she was, it was one of those like, huh. <laughs> it's like, girl, like, what do you mean? Um, and I, I enjoy doing that. I have a problem with that. I do, <laughs> but um, but it's it's not as like to get like a like a power play off of it like Lambo would do. Yeah, it's more of like this is like I you come to me, you want to talk to me, I'm gonna tell you the things. Yeah. So, and so yeah, a lot of the things with like the the relationship between Sean and Will, like immediately choked out. Um, you see what is called counter-transference is the term for it. So you have transference where the client is transferring their own stuff onto you. And that's why you have to go to therapy yourself so you can be aware of these things and kind of catch it ahead of time. And then there's what's called counter-transference where you take your own stuff and reflect it back. That's what was happening in that very first session. Mm-hmm. And like homie was not about to hear anybody tell him say shit about his dead wife. I'm like, I mean, kudos, but that's unhealed stuff and therefore calls into question your ethics. Because the entire session, Will trying to find what's going to piss him off. Right. Just little things here and there. Oh, you think you read this? You think, and he's like, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. I can handle that. Like he's so used to seeing that. And, you know, you go into learn that like Sean himself, like had served in a war, um, probably has PTSD in his own things he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely PTSD from his wife's death. Um, and is like able to keep up with that till you touch the sore spot of the wife. And I have some interesting thoughts on that. I like how the scene was directed because it goes with Will, like Sean is in the background. He's very like much so in the background. Yeah. He's very focused on Will going through the office and just observing. Yeah. He's observing the office trying to find things that like he can talk about. To see what will trigger. And that's what he had done with the other counselor's therapist before mm-hmm. him. And so then, he's just doing the same thing. Because. Yeah. But now it's personal. Mm-hmm. Now it's personal. Which is why, like, I, I like the fact that, one, Will came back for the second session. And two. Sean also was like, tell him to be here every week, four o'clock. Yep. Because Sean, on that second session, he was like, I'm invested. I'm in. Ball's in your court. Yeah. And I've had that similar conversations, just not in the way he went about it. Because again, like it dances that line of, yeah. of like personal and professional. Yes. And, and there's nuances to it, but 
Um, oh, help me. Where did it go? Where did the thought go? I don't know. Help. Um, it flew away um, like a butterfly. Um, no, no, it was so good too. So like it was... Um, Balls in your court. I've had that similar conversation where like there have been kids that chose not to come to therapy anymore because I'm like, hey, it's been a couple months now. You've kind of plateaued. We've gone through the stuff. I know you know because you tell me you know mm-hmm. what's going on. And then they hit that wall and I'm like, okay, so there was one particularly tough conversation. And, and, and I do carry it a little bit like within professional means. Like this was the first set of clients I had as soon as I got my license. Mm-hmm. And so you always remember your first lips. Like I got my license on a Friday, come Tuesday, these girls were in my office. And and one of the girls was just, you know, she had always been kind of combative, but we'd have those little things here and there. And I, and I told her, I was like, you know, you're plateauing. I want to see you do better, but I can't do it for you. And it was a very tough decision. I was like, I'm going to give you something you've never had. And that's your own choice. If this isn't working for you, I want you to decide that. I'm not going to tell you you can't do it. I'm not going to tell you that you need to do it. If you want to be here, I want you to choose it. And she chose not to. And whatever happens, that's up to her in this life. Mm -hmm. I wish her well. She's a tough kid. I just have to hope for the best. But that's going to be one of those things later down the road of like when we talked about ripples in one of prior episodes of like, even if something terribly happens to her, there's going to be at least one point in her life where somebody gave me a choice. And then that's that. I have to let that be. Sorry if that's heavy. <laughs> well, we talk about heavy stuff all the time. Well, to, yeah. to listeners. Yeah. So, but, you know, it, it, like a, a lot of like, I see a lot of myself in a lot of these different characters. Not Lambo, he can fuck off, but not a fan of him. Come on, Dakota. What? I made it. How long did I make it into before I dropped an F-bomb? 32 <laughs> minutes. I did good. I did good. And I don't like Lambo. Lambo is there for Lambo. Yeah, The is. entire time. He and is. I, but, contradictory, contradictory thing that might be coming in there. Hmm. I think Sean had Will's best interest at heart. Oh, yeah. But there's too much counter-transference. And I think Will was also, like, Sean was he, also. He was getting something out of the sessions with Will. Yes. And that's where I'm like, nah, this is where it gets a little spicy. Because Sean makes a decision at the end of the movie that is influenced by Will. Sure, but that's not a direct, that's his own decision. It is his own decision. But I'm not going to say. Both the decisions that both Will and Sean make are their own decisions, but they're mildly influenced by each other. But that's the point of therapy in general is to be mildly influential. Sure. And this is where I argue with like some of the therapeutic aspects is like, you're going to hear different things about self-disclosure. And I've mentioned in the past, like I don't necessarily mind self-disclosing some things with kids. Like I remember telling one kid and I even asked my supervisor if this was okay. And I was like, a teenage Dakota would have loved you because like a teenage Dakota recognized what this child was going through. But I didn't say anything more than that. It's like, you're a great person. A teenage me, if I would have met you as a teenager, we would have been friends. They would have loved you. They would have. And like going back and following up with my supervisor, I was like, you know, was that okay? She's like, yeah, you didn't say why or what was going on. You didn't put your stuff onto them. You made that connection. And so like, but you have to be very careful with self-disclosure because then at one point, are you putting your stuff onto the client? They are there for help from you, not you to help them. And that's where it gets kind of like a symbiotic relationship between Sean and Will. Mm -hmm. They help each other. And that's all well and good for movie purposes, but on a therapeutic level, like that could potentially cause you to be under investigation. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. Sean's leaving town, not because he was chosen to no <laughs> to come and get him. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But... I could. I mean, it could definitely be that. But like it, it's just therapeutically though, like the things that do hit, they hit. And they're good. And I mm-hmm. see some of those things being implemented. But at the same time, I'm like, you're getting a little too deep. You need to reel it back, reel it back, mm-hmm. reel it back. Do you think the relationship between Will and Skylar was healthy? Because I would argue that it wasn't. I would argue that it's not. 
Because I think Skylar had best interests for Will, but Will was way too guarded for that relationship. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. That's one of the big content, like points of contention in the movie yeah. is that she makes him feel vulnerable in a way. Not saying that she actually makes him, but, like, he feels vulnerable with her. And that's scary. Vulnerability is scary. Anybody out here listening, whoever you are that's gotten this far in my crackheadedness, um, which I shouldn't say either. But anyway, like Brene Brown, because you watched this and you were like, screw you, Dakota. Um, like Brene Brown is a fantastic place to start with vulnerability. She is a, she does research on guilt and shame mm-hmm. um, and how like aspects of vulnerability. It's wonderful. It'll, make, it'll most likely give you the feels. I've seen it several times. I cry at the same spot every time. Like it hits home. But like, that's the thing. Vulnerability is scary. And so mm-hmm. it's easier to push people away because it hurts less. In Will's case. Yeah. And, and it is it is unhealthy. He's lying to her. And she's well, not necessarily forthcoming with him either. Well, that, that's the thing I wanted to touch on. Because I've worked with not just clients, but like the, the kids we used to work with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the more you lie to me, the farther away we can get to some real progress. And that's how it is with Will. Like, you keep lying to her. You keep, lying. You keep telling these lies because you think that's what she wants to hear. We don't want to hear this made-up life that you have. We want to hear the truth so that we can make some progress on some stuff. True. But also, in Will's defense, and this is probably a hot take, in Will's defense, why get invested in a person when everybody leaves anyway? Fair. Because, I mean, he's an orphan. He's never really known a true home. That's why he stays in... Boston with and not with Chucky and all them like because that's what he knows and not everybody too is at capacity to deal with those things and hear those things mm-hmm. like there are people who have been through significant amounts of trauma and they make dark humor with it and you know humor in itself is a defense mechanism and I'm one of the therapists that's kind of like because there are some therapists that are very like you need to challenge them and do these things and it's like sure I do. I'm also going to maybe laugh with them. (laughs) Like, I can't, I'm not going to hide that particular piece myself. But like, being like, so why is it funny? And then you see, like, you know, why is it funny? And then you see, like, the kind of go out of their face. And I'm like, look, I'm here for it. But you got to do the work to use it. Yeah, You got to do the work to use it. Um, And so, just like these these tactics of like, like, I can understand it. Mm -hmm. Like, I can understand it. And because they're defense mechanisms, they're defense mechanisms, but also like Skylar has her own up. You don't get to see Skylar flesh out as much, but she I has her own up. Skylar's very vulnerable with him because, like, to be in that kind of relationship with each other, and it didn't seem too terribly long in a relationship, but she opened up and was like, I want you to move to San Francisco with me. But there are so many things before that, like, kind of litter that trail as well, like. It's one of the things of like, she wants to, she doesn't want to fix him, even though he assumes that she wants to fix him. him. Yeah. And that could be a dangerous mentality. I don't feel like that's Skylar per se. I I think that she just genuinely was infatuated with him and just grew to like, see him for this perception he has built. And granted, it's not correct. Like we said, he lied and things like that. But also, she's not exactly upfront and honest either, talking about like why she's in Harvard. And so that's where you see kind of like this trauma exchange happen of like her father's been dead since she was 13. And he's like, whoa, okay, maybe she does get it, but that makes me more freaked out. So I'm going to be like, I don't love you. And I was like, okay, been there. That sucks. <laughs> but like, it's a very emotional exchange. Yeah. Um, but even, even she, like, she doesn't. She challenges him, but also doesn't push it at the same time. And it almost in a way like she fantasizes about the runaway. And he also challenges her on that. It was like, what, you just going to like, you know, have fun with like the fling that you met downtown to be bad and do these things. Like they do it off of each other. It's just not as fleshed out. It's not as fleshed out. And without, I don't think you would have caught that either. Unless A, like you were a female and beat like you were also paying attention to it because like Will is the main focus. He's the main character. But I also would argue too that like Skylar isn't all she appears to be either. No. I think my problem with the script of this movie is we have Will 
with Chucky and his friends, Will with Skylar, Will with... There's a lot of jumping. Well, like, you have time with all these characters. You have Will with Sean, you have Will with Lambo. You have all this time between characters. But you don't really get enough to flesh out each of those relationships. I agree. As much as you want them to be fleshed out. You get to see, like, how they kind of... Almost, like, Lambo and Sean have, like, you don't... Those relationships eventually kind of overlap. Mm-hmm. Because, like, how Lambeau sees that. It's almost very, like, whiplashy of this mm-hmm. protege. Mm-hmm. And, like, how um, J.J. Simmons' character, who's... J.K. J.K. Simmons, sorry. J.J. Abrams, that's who I'm getting it mixed yeah. up because we talked about Star Wars at one point. Um, like, I could see that being, like, a mirror and then, like... Sean, I think, is putting too much of himself into Will, and I could see that. But he's also very cognizant of, like, he gets to make his own choice, regardless. Like, I want to see him succeed, but he gets to make his own choice. But you do see, like, he he has... I don't think he knows it consciously. Um, And that's another thing, too. Like, I'm confused about the timeline of Sean practicing versus... And then, like, his wife got very sick, and I think he said it was, like, a period of, like... A couple of years. I want to think six years. I'm not quite for certain. Mm-hmm. But like a couple of years where like he took off from teaching. He took off from counseling to take care of her. <coughs> and it had been two years since he was like had started teaching again. Two years since her death. And so like I wonder if this is the first person he had counseled since then. Because that would track. Yeah. I think so. And so. Because he, he talks about how he hasn't really done therapy in a while it's just he's been teaching yeah and so it's just very interesting like these little dynamics that you might not catch and i don't know if you would catch them unless you were a therapist or had been in the field to some degree yeah like it's hard for me and we talked about this many a times we're like in the purpose of a movie it's sometimes very hard for me to take off those therapy lenses when it comes to that um and a lot of the times, like, I just won't comment on something because, like, it's not appropriate. I'm not that person's therapist. I'm yeah. not, I'm like, how many times have you been like, Dakota, you're being a little too blunt? And I'm like, okay, I got to roll it back. Like, yeah. it never really turns off for me. That's one of the downsides, too. And I actually asked a, a friend of mine, or an old friend of mine, um, we were working together at Lowe's, and she actually had her LCash. She was a substance abuse counselor, which is why I'm like, maybe I shouldn't say crackhead. Like, that's not nice. <laughs> because there are people who legitimately suffer with addiction. But I was like, you know, why, why'd you go and do these things and come back? Because I'm in the process of doing those things. So is there like something I need to know? And one of the things that she had mentioned was like, I will never be able to not psychoanalyze a person. And like further ahead, now that I know, I'd been doing it for a long time. And now that I know, I'm like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to turn it off. It's hard to turn it off. No, trust me. I mean, just... Just for example, we were talking about um, family dynamics uh, during Christmas. And it was my close internal family. So it was my father, my mother, my sister, and me. And we were talking about other parts of the family mm-hmm. and how things are going with other parts of the family. And for me, I was like, I feel like between me and my sister, we were both like, there's some mental health things that both parts of the family need to like it as much as one person going and doing their thing and going to therapy and doing self-help can help them. Another part of the family also needs to go and participate. Another like this needs to, and mom's like, well, she just needs to get past it. It's like, no, that (laughs) she can't get past it until the person that has affected her admits to some of the things that they've done. So I could go into a whole different spiral of thought with that. Um, because a lot of the times you're not going to get that closure. No, you're not. And even and if that's like, what I'm saying, like you're not going to be able to get past that. You can't expect them to have closure for something that they can't get past. But also you can't expect them to totally put everything on like this other person coming to apologize for what they've done. We have no control over that person, especially when it comes to like 
in particular, I think like the first thing I think of is like narcissistic personalities Mm -hmm. to a narcissistic person. They've done no wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to explain to a narcissistic person that you hurt them because it will turn into a couple of different things. Gaslighting, victimizing themselves. Like it's, it's hard to have those constructive conversations with those types of Mm -hmm. people. And that's their own things to to struggle through. You will very rarely see a narcissist come through for therapy because they don't typically think anything is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's the kind of like one of the really, like I talked about it in the previous episode, a lot of the times like traumas and there are things that are like traumatic events don't necessarily inherently create PTSD, but it still doesn't mean it doesn't like resonate with you. And so the, the, the thing I had used last time was like, like breaking glass, like somebody broke that window, but it's your job to clean it up. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it sucks. It's a really shitty situation. Yeah. But like when I hear the thing, oh, well, they just need to get past it. And it's like, one, how do, how do you perceive they do it? And two, like if it does come to like getting closure from another person, you can't guarantee that. So as a therapist, yeah. like how would you recommend like, that path? The amount of times I, I've heard when it comes to my family, friends, whatever, where it's like, oh, they're just living in the past. They need to get past. It's like, you can't, you can't just. Because to them, it's not the past. You can't just say that. It's not that simple. It's not as easy as, oh, I, you know. You know what? I woke up today and I chose not to be sad anymore. Yeah. Somebody told me to calm down and I'm fixed. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm done. It's great. Like. And like, I've tried to explain my depression to other people, and they're like, oh, well, just don't be sad. I'm like, dude. Yeah, whoa. 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 Wait a minute. That's what it took? That's what it took? You gotta be kidding me. Just don't be sad? It's like, hey, Dakota, did you ever not think about it? (laughs) What do you mean? I've thought about every single possibility, so I won't get hurt. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean don't think about it? It's all I do. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And it's one of the things, too, where it's like, I saw this thing and I had shared it recently because a lot of like the personal things that I will like post on the internet and things like that will just be like a lot of just like interesting things, just like not necessarily inherently mental health, but to change kind of perspective. Cause mm-hmm. that's what I do. I deal in machinations and chaos. <laughs> it's fun for me. Um, one of the things I had done was just like, <laughs> just because you were able to go through something doesn't mean another person will be able to do the same thing. They may not have the supports. They may not have the ability. They may not even know it's a thing, but you can't put your experiences onto another person mm-hmm. that's judgmental, that's ableist in some things. It's it's not okay. Every person deals with things differently. So like I could go up and say like, you know, you had mentioned before, like Natasha and I have similar things where like we, we start with anxiety. I'm very open about like the things that I, that occur <laughs> to me. Yeah. And like how she handles it is a different way than I do. And that's okay. If that's what works for her, then that's okay. What works for me is doing its best. (laughs) And what works for her is doing its best. Like, and every, just everybody deals with it. Some people aren't even aware of it. So that's where it's like, I think a lot of people like see Will and they get frustrated because it's a similar sense of like, just get over over it. Just go take the job and do your potential. (laughs) That's great. But when there's been people who have put cigarettes out on me and have stabbed me and have abused me, I they've told me I'm not shit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what I bring to the table. I'm going to fail. No, you're right. And like I was, I was telling my mom, I was over the break. I was like, I, I recently had a new opportunity come up and I'm like, part of my depression comes from, and I, I was telling her that what triggered it like in my life. It's like I have this innate fear that no matter what I do, no matter how well I do in a job, I'll be fired. Like there's just an innate, innate fear that like no matter what I do, no matter if I hit goals, no matter like how well I do with the clients or the people I'm working with, like if I do one thing wrong. So how have you gotten over that? <laughs> no. Have you applied logic to it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, logically, it's like, dude, if you just do your job and, like, make sure you're marking on your goals, you're fine. Do you t- do you think about, like, tangible things, like, in past history? Yeah, because, I mean, when we're not going to turn this into a therapy session, but, like. I, I, I legally can't, but it's also kind of like, 
hey, this is what I do, a challenge thoughts. Yeah, well, like one of the first jobs I had coming out of college, I felt like I was doing everything I needed to do. I felt like I was meeting the goals I needed to meet. And when they were calling the office and I was just like, go like that. Okay. But conversely, look at your most recent history where you willingly left a job to better yourself. No, I get that. Do you? Yes. So in other news, um, but like, yes, like, and no, I'm not going to turn into a session. It's just, that's a, a very loose example of like, hey, like, how can you change the thought? Yeah. Um, because like, I could do the similar thing to myself of like. Because we can be self-aware of why we have the problems that we have. Oh, that's half the battle. Yeah. Half the battle. But like, it's still getting past that. Like, it, it's hard to get past things that like are just deep down in there. Right. And one of the things that I struggle struggle with, and I understand it's very Sisyphean where it comes to like you're pushing the boulder up the mountain only for it to restart the next day. That's what mental health is. Yeah. Like I get, I can understand like the thought process behind that. But also like it's um help. It went away again. Um, getting past stuff. So, like, one of the things, and I, I, I don't want to put you on blast, but when you're like, Dakota's ADD is kicking in. And I know you, you're just picking on me. Like, I do acknowledge that you are picking on me. So this isn't a blast at you. But it's one of the things where it's like, if people didn't have, like, any context to our relationship or anything like that, they'd be like, dude, that's kind of an asshole thing. Yeah, that's like me telling sure. me, that's like me telling you, don't be sad, Mr. Depressed Boy. Yeah. Like, it's the exact same thing. It doesn't go away. Yeah. It's always present, but at some point, and we talked about this before too, like at some point you, you learn the techniques, you learn the copes and you just have to adapt them. Some of these things are chronic. They do not go away. ADHD, ADD, autism, um, a lot of like TBIs can be born with or, you know, earned things like that are considered like neurodivergent neuro neurological disorders. Those are typically lifelong mm -hmm. and we don't have, any idea what really causes it outside of it just being genetic or that a lot of the times they're comorbid with other things. And by comorbid, I mean, there's, they happen at the same time. Yeah. Um, and there are some things that get better with medication. It's just what works for you. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I'm sorry as you as my friend, I'm really sorry that these are going to be things that you struggle with. And I hope that you continue to do what works for you. I know this podcast is something that does, but like meeting with friends, like we recorded earlier and I was like, bro stuff is so wild to me. Like bro friendships are just like, whoa, like this is so interesting. Like I see how these things help you. Yeah. And like you as my friend and this person that cares about you, like I want to see you continue to do that. But yeah. I also acknowledge that you struggle too and I'm sorry. <laughs> Trust me, it's, and like how it's very balancing for you to be very stoic sometimes of like, okay, cool. I'm good. I gotta feed off that energy. Like I'm still moving around, but I'm not nearly as like crawling up the walls that I am. But like, that's one of the things of like, what, and we talked about that too, like just what supports and things will do for you. And I, and I want to tie this up with a nice little bow. Cause I know I rambled here, but this is, this is what you, this is what y'all wanted. <laughs> I don't know who wanted it, but like, this is what yeah, it was we're like. Good hunting. Like it's yeah, this is, it's all very like connected with each other. And so despite, <laughs> despite having all the opportunity from Lambo, yeah. despite going to therapy and getting these supports, friggin' Ben Affleck going on like two, three minute monologue of like, hey buddy, if you're still here in 30 years, I'm going to kick your ass. Yep. You're wicked smart. That was, was that. Bit? I don't remember that who said that. Casey. That was Casey. <laughs> that was Timothy Shine. Like, like you, you like you got it, man. And we don't. Always wicked smart. But that's the thing. Like, he still had all of these supports, all of these things for him. And what pushed him over the edge? Cinematically, I'm moving around a lot. Sorry if you can hear the whooshing. Um, was his friend just like, "Don't be a dumbass," <laughs> and that's what led to the breakthrough. That's what pushed it. You know, you know, they're the scene where Sean is deeply talking about his wife and everything that happened with her death mm -hmm. almost brought me to tears. The scene where he's telling Will it's not your fault almost brought me to tears. That one did it. The Skylar scene also, like, ooh, it, it tugged. The Skylar scene didn't affect me as much. Um, but I've also been Skylar. Yeah. Like, that's why it resonated with yeah, me. I get it. But... 
one of the scenes that really actually like emotionally pushed me was the scene and always gets me you know, every time it gets me is the ending of this movie in where both, both parts where Ben Affleck goes to Will's house mm-hmm. and he had already told him like every day those the 10 best, seconds the best part of my day is those 10 seconds where I'm walking up to your door and I hope and pray that you don't come out the door knowing that you left to better yourself and then at the end of the movie, he goes up to Will's door and he's knocking. He's like, where is he? I don't understand. And then that moment of like, oh, he gone. He did it. My boy did it. And he goes back to the car and Casey Affleck's like, where's he at? And he's like, I don't, I don't know, know, man. Don't know. I don't know. Don't know. And he didn't want to tell his boys that he left because he didn't want to hurt him. But like, he knows like he did it. Yeah. Be in touch. That's my yeah. boy. I'd die for that and, man. <laughs> In the, the scene where he goes to Sean's house and drops off the letter. and That got me. That Sean, got Sean sees Will, but he's like driving off so he doesn't get to catch him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, dang, I really wanted to see that boy one last time before I leave. Mm-hmm. And he checks his mailbox and Will left him a letter. And he's like, hey, thank you for everything you did. Gotta go. See, see about, about a girl. Him. And... Sean just goes. That son of a bitch took my line. Son of a bitch took my line. <laughs> and that was just such like a. I, so one of the things, and you told me save it for the podcast. So yeah. ask your question, and then I'm going to save it for the podcast. So we got what, a couple minutes how, left. How did you feel about the ending? I felt like it was the first decision that Will made on his own. Yeah. Will made on his own. Because he had already kind of made a decision that. Other people wanted like he took a job in town that um, was set up by a Lambo. He finished up with Sean, which he was having a final session with Sean, and he was telling him about the job. And Sean's like, "That's what you want. That's great." Yep. And then it just kind of one eighties, and it goes back to I'm gonna go see about a girl, and like how much impact that that it had. And it was like Mm -hmm. I truly believe, like I know Sean influenced a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but I really felt like. That was the first decision. Decision. <laughs> that was the first. I've been talking for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the first decision that Will made on his own. And in a way, I was like, yes, because I think out of all of the things that Will had done, the relationship between him and Scott, him and Skylar is what truly scared him the most. Yeah. And so he's chasing that fear and going to like. He's going to drive all the way from Boston to California. <laughs> Like, and I'm here for that. Yeah. Like, if there was some dude that drove from Boston to San Francisco and was like, hey, yo, I fucked up, I'd be like, okay, come on. Come on, let's talk about it. Like, that's ever. Come here, baby. Come here. Like, that's sexy as hell. <laughs> I'm, it might be a little problematic, but just a little bit. But, like, just just from that, that background and stuff, I was like, I was very, very pleased with that. Because the ending, it's a very subtle ending. I liked it. But... It really does kind of like... You get the, the ending affected how I scored it. The ending brought everything to a closure with Chucky, or everything to a closure with Sean, and brought the relationship of him and Skylar to a closure. Mm-hmm. And not, like, not a complete closure, but you know what he's going to do with Skylar. And you want to hope for the best. Yes. And like you can kind of infer... You, you don't need to see him and Skylar get back together. But no. He, just knowing that he's going and he's giving a shot is enough. Yeah. And you kind of, you hope for the best for this kid. You really do. Like, you you want to root for him the entire time. Yeah. And punch him in the face simultaneously. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. So, what is your rating of this movie? We only got a few minutes left. It's a nine. Nine? Now, just because, like, there are very few movies that affect me the way this movie does. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely some things that we've talked about that could have changed. Mm-hmm. The script's a little sloppy. Yep. But... If you remove Robin Williams, it's probably like a seven. If you remove well, if you remove Robin, yes, I agree. I agree. And so this is where I'm going to struggle with the rating on it because, like, I want to give it a ten. In my heart of hearts, I want to give it a ten, but I understand that it's based off of Robin Williams' performance. Give it a nine point five. 
I don't want to because I don't I don't like to do the halves. I think <laughs> I've done it one time. I don't like to do the halves. Yeah. Um, like you, okay, so for me, when I do my ratings, like if I see flaws, I'll bring it down a little bit because I could see where it could be better. But is this is this movie to you in the package that's presented? Perfect. In the package that you were given. I don't like how you phrased it. Because, <laughs> like, for me, when we, when we rated Whiplash and we yeah. rated a 10, there is nothing I would change about that movie. I agree. I agree with it. And, like, you and I, like, just based on that alone and talking about the changes, like, I so strongly want to give it a 10. And it, I'm upset. Like, I'm a little upset, upsetting myself because I'm not going to give it a 10. I. Oh, this is going to suck. I think I'm going to regret it. I want to do eight. Eight? And I think that's low. And I think the sole reason I do it on eight is because I can't break away from that therapist mindset. I understand. I fully understand. It is for the purpose of a movie. But I'm also like, if I were to ever do half of the things. <laughs> that Sean doesn't say. And it works. I'm not going to say it doesn't work. But like. I, like, homie, I gotta be insured to do this job. Like, I gotta have my own insurance for malpractice. Like, I can't, I ain't got that in me. But, like, I, I want to do it higher, but I can't Um, take away the clinical aspect, I think. Time out. We gotta wrap it up, so. Remove. I can't. Remove your. My lenses. Remove the. Remove the Dakota. Remove yourself. <laughs> no, re- remove work Dakota for a little bit. No, it's still not even like, and I. this is something I tell people all the time. Like, there are people that like to, it happened on the way over here. Uh, there are people that like, you know a therapist, you get clout. Oh, my friend's a therapist. My sister's a therapist. I love you, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> like, they, they use that. They use that kind of clout. Do they? Yes, frequently. Oh, well, I want you to know I don't, I don't do that. Thanks. <laughs> well, you kind of did because I'm on this podcast. <laughs> you wanted me because of my of the therapist mindset. You weren't my first option. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have stayed that way, truth be told. Um, but it, it's the thing of like therapy, Dakota, like it, the growth that I have as a person, therapy, Dakota, is, is is a different person. I can I can separate it. I can separate therapy to code. Don't get me wrong. I can. You see me do it quite often. But they, I can't break that. Like, that's who I am. That's who I am. Can I pose a different question? Go ahead. Rate it on how it affected you. Just, just rate it on how it. Nine out of ten. Okay. There we go. If I was going to do pure, 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 right off the cuff, nine. But she has her place. Final rating, eight. Final rating, 8 out of 10. Not wrong that. No, I don't think so. Which, I'm like, all right, we started off with Coraline, and dude, you have no idea how upset I was when we gave Coraline a 6. Like, I was going into January, I was like, we're It's gonna, all going to be straight we're, bangers. We're going to be banger after banger after banger. It's going to be eight, nines, tens only in this house. And then we start with the 6, and we're like, and then I was like, as I was watching Good Will Hunting, I was like, Dakota was telling me about how she was trying to process her score. And I'm like, I don't know, man. This one could be another one. But no, I no, know. I would not. This had too much of a, no, I wouldn't put this at a six. No, there's no so way. So I'm, I'm glad we're there. We're at an eight. We already filmed another one today, and that one was above an eight for us. Yeah. So, heck yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for this moment. Because now we're going into the two movies I picked. <laughs> yeah. And so... But, like, granted, Coraline was the only movie that I had not seen this month. Uh, pretty much all of these, actually every single one, are ones that I have not seen. Not seen. Coraline, I've read the book. Yeah. But uh, next week, we are going to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, from Wes Anderson. Uh, I am looking forward to it. I think 
I think this might go into Ko's top three stop motion. Okay. I'm, I'm actually, very, I'm actually from what you you've hyped it up pretty well, um, and you usually like don't you, you usually don't disappoint when you hype you, something up. You like Moonrise Kingdom, yeah. And this it does have some family aspects to it mm-hmm. that like, oh, it's good. I'm looking forward he's, to he's it. Like good. I've seen like. I've not seen the film. It gives film, you some stuff to chew on. But, like, you've seen, like, the like some of the memes and things that come yeah. from it. It's like, but we are poor. And I'm like, hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, I am looking forward to it. Um, I'm not sure how 12 Angry Men is going to affect me. Um, I tend to make men angry all the time. It's just an extremely well-made movie. And I think when you watch it, it really depends on what you get out of it. True. Because it's really what it is is it is a character study of twelve individual men. I don't know. Like I said, I was looking at the box art and I was like, I can't already tell any of them. Oh, you will tell them apart with the box art. Cool. So this was this was a good episode. I feel like mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna go ahead and just apologize in retrospect for some of the rants I was on, but I'm very passionate about this kind of thing um, as always. Like. I haven't said it recently. Like, if you yourself are struggling with something, please go seek out a friend, seek out a support. There's tons of crisis helplines. You know, reach out to a professional. There, It's more accessible now than ever. I can't attest to the quality you will get because, like I'd said, trust and stuff, that's for you to figure out. Yeah. But, like, it... I just love this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I really do. And that's why I'm like, I can't take that part away from myself. Like, this is who I am. And yeah. I like me now, believe it or not. Yeah, I like me too some days. It's okay. <laughs> if it's any consolation, there are days where I question our friendship and I think it's vice versa for you. <laughs> I question all my friendships. That's okay. <laughs> but on that note, next week, Fantastic Mr. Fox. After that, 12 Angry Men. Yep. And then Men in Tights. Men. We're Men in Tights. I rated Men in Tights the same as this. All right, everybody. Until next week, I'm Dakota. I'm Matt. And we'll see you next time on I've Got a Movie to Watch. Bye-bye.